Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Welcome to Hope Church. My name is Carrie, and I do not want to stop worshiping, honestly. I could just keep going with that for a while. So thank you so much to you guys for for worshiping and leading us into God's presence. How do you guys normally answer the question when someone asks you how you're doing? Fine. Yeah. I was going to say, I was going to have you, I know you just said hi, but turn to your neighbor next to you and ask them how they're doing. Now, now I want to clarify, I do not mean turn to your neighbor and ask them like, Joey, how you doing? Okay. <laughs> if you want to get someone's number, you can do that afterwards in the lobby with the coffee bar. It's a great place for that. But I, maybe people didn't want to answer because maybe you feel like you're being like quizzed or graded now. But, but when we ask people how they're doing, we can, we can get a lot of different answers, right? We get the standard, I'm fine which I don't know about you, when I was younger, I, I learned that that phrase means feelings inside never expressed. Um, right? It's not, not, a, not a Carrie original, but um, we, uh, there's other ones though, right? Like lately I've just noticed that a lot of times when I ask someone this, whether it's myself or someone else, they're like, you know, I'm all right. Well, I'm getting by. I'm making it. You know, it's been, it's been a tough week. It's been a long week. Um, maybe... If you're like me, someone asks you that question and you literally have to stop and think about what it is that you did that week because, you know, if you were here for the busyness message, God is still working on me on that. So I'm like, I don't know what I did. There was too many things. But I feel like over the last year, maybe over the last several months, I've started to notice this trend that a lot of us maybe are, are kind of struggling. We're kind of feeling like we're just getting through sometimes, um, that maybe we're a little bit in survival mode. And I don't know if that's just, again, kind of this global sense after the pandemic of, of just feeling like we're, we're kind of just, just getting through. Maybe it's, I know a lot of you in talking to people have just been going through some heavy things and that can, that can be a challenge. But I think there's a part of us that starts to sometimes feel like, man, I just, I just feel like I'm just getting by. Another argument, another confrontation, another work deadline, another call from the school about a child, another school paper to do. You know, another person on the bus giving you a hard time. Maybe another dead car battery. Anyone else have a dead car battery this week? No? No? Oh, see? Oh, I, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> so again, in the past year, I think I felt that. I felt a little bit of that sense sometimes of, I'm just going through it, man. Or there's just always seems to be something else. And then I look at what Jesus promises Right, And I, I look and he tells us that he promises us full life, life to the full. And he says, I'm going to make you like a tree planted by water that doesn't fail to bear fruit even in a season of drought. And then I can look at my life and maybe you look at your life and you're like, am I missing something? What does it mean for me to experience this full life that God has? And, and is there more that I should be experiencing can I experience the full life of God even in the middle of circumstances that would seem to suggest that my life isn't full? And so today, we're starting a new series Tom and I called Abundance. Just abundance. And it has been this challenge for me. There's some ser- series that we do that really challenge me in a new way, and this has been one that I have been just 
pouring over, and really I feel like God wants to speak to me as much to, as to any of you in this series. Um, but what does it mean for God to give us his abundance? What is the abundant life? Is it dependent on our circumstances? And how does it change our practical everyday world? And I think it's especially fitting because we're going into the season in just a month or so um, of Advent where we're, we're preparing for the coming season of Christ's birth. And so I think it's fitting that we take a moment and really think about what does Christ mean to us? Is this gift that came as a little baby, is he sufficient for us and how does that impact our life? And so as we go through this idea, I think it's important if we're going to look at the abundant life that maybe we start by looking at the opposite of abundance which is, I believe, scarcity. In fact, Tom intentionally chose this graphic, which I think is really fitting as kind of a contrast here to see we have like the desert on one side and you've got this beautiful pasture on the other side and the rainbow in the middle represents the promises of God. And maybe, I don't know which side you would feel like you're on right now, but it's, this is this opportunity for us to wrestle with this idea of what are the promises of God and what do they look like for us and can we have this idea of abundance? So we're going to start again by defining kind of what scarcity is. Um, a scarcity mindset. My kids talk about this even in school. This idea that, okay, we, we've, when we're afraid we don't have enough or we can't do things or, we're not, you know, it's not going to happen, we tend to live in this negative pattern, right? And maybe that sounds very psych psychological or psychology-based, but I believe this is actually spiritual as well. This is very much Bible-based. And so I want to start with this idea of where does scarcity come from? Where does that sense of scarcity, not having enough, not, not feeling like we're always running out or we don't have what we need? And I believe that that scarcity originates with the enemy, with Satan. That scarcity originates with our enemy. Because the enemy comes not only to steal and kill and destroy, right, that's, that's who he is, but if he cannot steal from us or kill us or destroy us, because he knows, the enemy knows, that when we believe in God, that when we follow him, that we are held in God's hands, right? That, that nothing can take us from God's hands, that nothing can change God's love for us. So when he knows that we already live in that reality, he's like, well, what's the next best thing I could do? Well, I could get them constantly living in fear that they're going to lose something, that they're going to have something stolen from them, that something's going to be killed, Right? And so the enemy wants to get us in this mindset that we start to doubt God's goodness, that we start to doubt his promises to us, right? Think about it. Even in the, even in the Garden of Eden, one of his first tactics was to get Eve to believe, did God, did God really say, did God really give you this promise? Is that really true? Are you sure he has your best interest? And so the enemy wants us to, again, have this feeling of fear, this feeling of doubting God's goodness in our lives. And so he whispers when we're feeling overwhelmed and stuck in survival mode, did God really offer you an abundant life? Look how your life's going right now. Kind of what Leanne talked about, right? Sometimes we look at our lives and we think, hmm, I don't know, God. Is that really what God would allow? And how does this cause us to live, that feeling of scarcity, right? When you're afraid something's going to be taken from you, when you're afraid something is going to be um, destroyed, what, what does it look like for you to live in like protective mode? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to humor me here. Just for a second, I want you to like close your fists. I want you to just hold yourself as, as though you were protecting yourself. Someone's going to take something from you right now. They're coming at you. What does that feel like when you're afraid you're going to lose something? And then let go for just a second. 
And you can feel the difference, can't you? That this difference of like, this is what happens when I'm trying to protect everything, when I feel like I'm going to lose something, when I have to, to live like I'm going to always be in fear that something's going to go wrong, versus this open-handed abundance, right? Having that abundance mindset. And in fact, you'll notice sometimes here at, at, at Hope when people are worshiping even, um, and I love that everyone worships in a different way, so there's no right or wrong way to do that. Um, but sometimes, like for myself, I will just put my hands up, and it's almost like this reminder even today, um, that song we sang, my life laid down, I surrender now, I give you everything. That requires us to, to accept the abundance of God, to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm choosing intentionally not to believe in scarcity, not that I have to hold on to everything, but to actually let go and surrender. And it's this beautiful feeling, really, to trust God and to believe that he has our best in mind. Scarcity is a problem in our lives for several reasons, and so I want to talk about a couple of those reasons and why living in that scarcity keeps us from living in the fullness of God and and honestly keeps us from, um, from being full participants in, in the kingdom like he wants us to. So the first thing I see is that scarcity causes us to be possessive. Scarcity causes us to be possessive and to hoard things. And I know months ago we talked about, you know, like the, the toilet paper running out during COVID and how we were literally all like, oh my gosh, I can't, I have to like have 59 rolls of toilet paper because heaven forbid we run out. Um, and that was, <laughs> that was our biggest concern. But it does, when we are worried about losing something, man, I can't share with you. Because if I share with you, if I give up something, it's the sum zero mindset, right? I give something, that means I lose out. If you, if you gain something, I'm, that means somehow someone else has to lose something. And that's what the enemy wants us to think. If you give, you're, you're, you're losing, you're giving up, you're going to get yourself into trouble. And so we find that we feel like we need to, to just hold on to things. It's interesting, when my husband and I were uh, doing foster classes several years ago, one of the things they teach you about with these kids that are coming into foster care is, is why they're coming into care and how the kids may act as a result, right? So one of the reasons a kid may come into care is neglect. And a child that experienced neglect, one of the problems they may face is that they don't have consistent access to food. And if you're a child who has not had consistent access to food, what's going to happen when you finally get in a place where you have enough food? Yeah, you, you hold it, you hoard it, and so they'll, they'll find that these kids will like stash food under their pillows, under their beds, they will hold on to it because they're afraid it's not going to be there. And the interesting thing is that this pattern can continue long after a child has been in a home where they do have enough food. But that mindset tells them it's not going to last, it's not going to stay. And again, I think that's what the enemy does to us sometimes. He's like, you have been living so long in the world's mindset, Right? If you look at, like, every single day, every single ad that you see on TV, wherever you go, that ad is telling you, you don't have enough and you need more, right? And that's what the enemy wants us to think. Whatever you have is not enough. Whatever you, whatever you see, it's like, you need that, you need this, you're not going to be happy until you have more, and you have to just keep saving and you can't let go. And so we can be like that child who is stashing things under our bed and we're so afraid that we're going to miss out. And all the while, God says, no, there is an abundance for you in my family, in my kingdom, and I want you to experience that. I want you to experience that. But it's not just material things, right? We can hold on to a lot of things, and I think even um, 
Uh, maybe we're afraid, or afraid of missing out in relationships. We're afraid, oh my gosh, if this person hangs out with this person, then maybe they don't love me anymore. Maybe I'm going I'm to lose out. Maybe we're afraid to share, uh, you know, we're afraid to lose a title or a position or, um, you know, someone else gets praised for, for the work they did in school or in their job and you think, oh man, if they're getting praised, that probably means I didn't do enough. I didn't, I didn't work hard enough. And we feel like we constantly have to prove ourselves and hold on to things and we can be afraid to, uh, to share to share projects or to share um, credit for things even, right? Because we're afraid we're going to lose out. And man, that is such, um, it's a destroyer of, of the kingdom of God because that's the opposite of the way that God wants us to function. God says we're supposed to follow him in a way where to save our lives, we lose it. That love is laying down our lives for our friends that we should do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility consider others better than ourselves. And so when we live in a scarcity mindset, not only are we miserable and unhappy and living like this, but we also cannot live out the image of the body of Christ the way God has called us to, where each person submits and loves to each other, loves each other. So scarcity hurts everyone. The second thing I would say, though, aside from the way that scarcity keeps us possessive and hoarding, is that scarcity keeps us from holy imagination. Scarcity keeps us from holy imagination. And what do I mean by that? I think scarcity can have us, can create in us the tendency to think small and to believe small and to ask small, to expect little of God and to ask little of God, probably. Um, apparently, a few months ago in Roots, Michelle Dayton, our, our children's uh, director, she asked the kids, if you could go anywhere, if you could go anywhere, where would you go? And the kids are all giving different answers, and apparently my son, my eight-year-old, raised his hand and said, Dollar General! <laughs> I don't know what that says about my parenting, like that the most exciting place we've been to is Dollar General. Um, but it's like, come on, man, you could pick anywhere and that's, that's where you're going to go. But apparently, apparently I'm no better because I remember um, a couple years ago I was at the park and I don't know how many of you have gone to the park and your kid is like, okay, we're going to play ice cream stand or we're going to play restaurant and you come and order the food for me. And so I go to the, you know, I go to the ice cream stand and, and, um, and many of you know I have diabetes so I try to do lower carb. So I'm at the ice cream stand, the fake one, and I'm like, okay, well, what do you have that's like sugar-free? Do you have something that, that maybe would be you know, low carb? And my friend Brant was with me at the time and he's like, He's like, woman, this is, this is pretend. This is imaginary. You get whatever ice cream you want. Like, the sky's the limit. This is, your, this is your opportunity to get the thing that you would never order in real life, right? And I thought about that. I was like, how often do we look at around us and we, we limit ourselves based on whatever it is, right? The practical things in our life. Well, okay, my finances, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at, um, you know, I, well, I've never done this thing before, so I, I probably will, you know, look at a job that I've never done before. And it's like, well, I probably can't do that. I don't have experience. I don't... And we can put those limits on ourselves and we can put those limits without realizing on God and we can live small and we can expect small. And even this, even this week, I, I noticed that, like, um, 
So I'm looking at college right now, looking at seminaries to go to. And I have to be honest, as excited as I am looking around at all these options, um, I keep going back to, ooh, the sticker price on that is pretty expensive, right? Maybe I, shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't even bother applying to that place. And I'm like, I think God's challenging me. No, okay, maybe I'm not going to drop thousands of dollars in your lap. That is not always how it works. But don't, don't limit me. Don't, don't let this thing, don't let the finances be the thing that keeps you from, from asking boldly, from trying boldly, from praying boldly. And so God is challenging me, don't live in that scarcity mindset. Trust in my abundance and trust that if this is not the plan for you, that I do have something better worked out for you, even if it's not what you originally thought. And so part of what I want us to start seeing is that the abundant mindset starts with understanding who God is understanding the, the God that we serve and follow is so much bigger and so much more than we can imagine. Think about it. This is a God who looked at nothing. When he, when he created the world, you could say he saw scarcity. He saw a lack. He saw a void. And yet God spoke into the nothingness and literally created everything. We have a God who is a God of creation. He's a God of multiplication and a God of expansion. When you look through the Old Testament, look in the New Testament, you see this pattern of God multiplying things. There's a story in the Old Testament of this widow who was destitute, and God, she had this olive oil, and he, he allowed this olive oil to keep multiplying and multiplying and multiplying so that she could sell it and have the money that she needed to survive. That doesn't make any sense, right? That your olive oil would just keep going and going and going. But that's who God is. God can take what looks like nothing, what looks like scarcity in your life, and he can multiply it. The same thing in the New Testament, we see the, the loaves and the fishes, right? The, the boy comes and, and God wants to feed the sea of at least 5,000 people. And there's a boy that has just a few fish and bread. And Jesus takes that and he multiplies it in such a way that he feeds everyone there. And not only that, but he has leftovers, enough leftovers for all of his disciples. He is a God who takes scarcity and multiplies it and can create so much more from it. And he's not just the God, uh, he's also the God who gives us his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit isn't just for one of us, it's not just for the person teaching on a Sunday morning. God gives his Holy Spirit to every single believer to challenge, to encourage, to lead us. He says, I'm multiplying my kingdom through you. In fact, God's kingdom, um, God's kingdom is also a picture of multiplication. If you look in the, in the Bible at the metaphors God uses for his kingdom, one of the metaphors is this woman who's kneading dough. And as she kneads this dough, it's like she says, it says the kingdom is like yeast that works through the dough and expands and grows. That's the kingdom. It multiplies, right? In fact, I think one of the things, kind of aside here, but one of the things I think the church or Christians have sometimes gotten wrong is that we think we're supposed to be like defenders of the kingdom. We're supposed to protect it and be like holy bouncers deciding who gets in and out, you know? Right? Sometimes. And I think God is saying you don't need to defend the light. You want to know why? Because no one ever says, oh, I'm going to shine the dark in the light. Right? The, 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 light, the darkness doesn't multiply on its own. When you shine light into the darkness, it naturally chases the darkness away. That is why God says the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. God did not call us to be a holy huddle and he did not call us to be defenders of his kingdom. He wants us to run across boundaries to every person in the darkness that needs the light. His light multiplies and it is stronger and that is the God that we serve. 
Don't ever let the enemy keep you thinking that the darkness is going to win or that it is stronger. The light is always stronger. And God wants us then to look at that and say, where, where can you, by laying down your life, I can actually multiply it. You know, when you, when you give your life for the kingdom, when one seed dies, hundreds more grow from that. That's the God we serve, and that's the way that God wants us to believe. There's a, um, um, someone you may have heard of, Mark Batterson, who wrote a book called The Circle Maker, and he, it, I would encourage you to look it up. He, he challenges you to draw a circle and pray around it, to pray these big, holy prayers, believing, not again, not that we can do something, not that we have to manipulate God, but believing that God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. When we begin to live in scarcity mindset, we pray safe, we live safe, we ask little of God. We start to think, oh, I need to have a backup, right, just in case. And God says, I want you to trust me that just maybe I'll show up in your life in ways you didn't expect. And sometimes, honestly, it's in the details. Like this week, for instance, I did. I had a dead, dead battery. I was picking up my son from middle school, and I pulled in, and I could not start my car. And I was like, oh my gosh, i got to get back home because i got to get one other kid off the bus. And I'm, I kid you not, I, as soon as I turned off the, like, took the key out of the ignition after trying to start the car, my friend Heather walks out of the middle school, walks over to me, and I just made like a pouty face at her. I was like, my car, I won't start. And she's like, oh, I have this box in my car. I got this thing. And I, it's like this little kit. She brings it over. She plugs it in. I told her, I was like, I think you're supposed to have those the other way. And she's like, no, nope, nope. Trust me. Trust me. This is right. Don't let me, don't let me fix your car. Or I should not be anywhere near cars, probably. And like literally 30 seconds, she had my car back started and I was able to go. And I know it doesn't always work that way. And I'm not trying to say that. But it was this reminder to me of God saying, Carrie, sometimes you're trying so hard to, to do it your way and, and to just trust that you're like, I need to have everything figured out and what if it goes wrong? And God's like, breathe. I, I see your life. I see the details of your life and I love you and I'm gonna care for you. Sometimes God wants us, I think, to start training ourselves to see his abundance and to believe in his abundance. Um, I know I mentioned this before. Um, John Acuff is an author as well who talks about how we have these negative soundtracks and we tend, to li- we tend to listen to the negative soundtracks. And he's like, what would it take for you to change those soundtracks, to start believing something that is positive and true? And so as I read that book and I started to like write down things I wanted to say to myself um, to remind myself of the truth, one of the things I wrote down for myself to repeat to myself is 2 Corinthians 9.8. It says this, and God is able to bless you abundantly, there's our word, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. In all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And I know this passage, if you look at the context, it's specifically talking about generosity and our hearts towards God and Um, And so Tom's going to actually talk a little bit about that in the coming weeks as well, what that looks like for us to surrender. Um, But this is God saying that when I put something in your heart, when I give you something to do, when I ask you to be obedient, I am also going to provide every single thing that you need. I'm going to equip you, and I'm going to lead you and give you all that you need. You can trust that, that I am sufficient. And I want to be careful to say this is not like prosperity gospel. This is not God saying, oh yeah, you're just going to always have an overflowing wealth and if you trust in me, you're just going to, you know, 
then we would all be rich in here, right? If, <laughs> if that were the case. So I know we can look at this and we can say, okay, where's that line? But God does tell us that um, he, he doesn't always promise us wealth, right? He doesn't always promise that the blessings we receive are going to be material. In fact, in Luke 12, 15, he says, watch out. Be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. There's a contrast here, right? Because this is back to the world's way of thinking. The world wants you to think that abundant life equals abundant possessions. And God says there is an abundance that is beyond your possessions. In fact, sometimes we don't realize that our possessions are actually the thing that are keeping us stuck in that scarcity. Sometimes our abundance of material things is actually the thing that keeps us kind of stuck and trapped, and we don't realize that those things are controlling our lives. God says, I want you to consider that there is an abundance beyond that. He says in verse 27, Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Right? He knows that God knows that we need those things. We have to eat to survive. But he says, don't set your heart on those things. That's not the abundance he's given us. The pagan world runs after those things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness, right? And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. God has been pleased to give us the kingdom. And I think if we just sat in that for a minute and realized that this kingdom that he gives us is this beautiful, rich, abundant kingdom, maybe that would shift some of the way that we're thinking about our lives today. And so God says to you, can, I, I can provide for you. I can care for you. Do you trust me to do that? And I also believe, you know, we talk about how God is sufficient for us. And, and sometimes I think when we use that word sufficient, um, it, it sounds like survival. Oh, well, God's just enough for me. You know, God gives me just what I need and I'm, I'm doing all right. But I want us to think, and even for myself, to be challenged to look at the way that God's sufficiency is so much bigger. When we say God is sufficient, he is truly all that we need. He is truly all that we need. And I struggle with that. I think, I think a lot of times I look to other things and I find satisfaction or, um, in other things. And, and it's not like it's a bad thing, but if I really stop and think about it sometimes, I realize, oh man, I think I'm starting to trust in those things. I'm not resting fully in the abundance of who God is. The world's abundance lies, and there's a deeper abundance you'll discover in his kingdom. And we're going to look at this more in the coming weeks. Um, and the other reason I want us to ponder this even is this idea that, um, you know, Tom talked last week about um, accepting Jesus. And he talked about, um, you know, when we, when we join God's family, it's not something that we do or that we earn or that we strive for. And he really, he just talked about the ABCs, right? How it just starts with us admitting that we, that we need God and believing that he died for us and that he loves us and then committing to obey and to follow him. And what you're going to find when maybe you made that decision, and that's wonderful, and then you're going to read a verse that tells you that when, when we follow God, God says, I want you to love me with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And if we're living in this scarcity mindset and God asks us to give us all of ourselves to him, to give all of ourselves, we're going to be like, I don't know if I can do that. Because what if I give to you and you let me down? Right? We sang that verse, you're never going to let me down. But, but if we're honest, sometimes we're afraid, right? God, what if I, what if I surrender and, and you let me down? And I think God wants us to see that we can never outgive him. 
we can never, ever outgive him. And when God says he wants us to love us with all of ourselves, it is because God has already loved us with all of himself first. And can you imagine that? Can you imagine the vastness of God's love that is poured out for us? God knows we're going to fall short. We're not always going to come to him with arms open, but his grace always abounds more and more. And part of shifting to this abundant mindset is to sit in the glory of who God is and what he is capable of in our lives. Um, but there may be some of you sitting out there that are like, Carrie, I get it. Okay, I know you want us to have this abundance mindset, but, but I'm struggling. And I'm not sure if you know how bad it feels right now in my life. And if I'm honest, if I was sitting in, in the seats you are and, I, and you were giving this message, I would probably be arguing with you a little bit. I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know. I feel a little defensive about that. And I want to say that that's okay. Part of what I want us to look at in this series is that when God gives us a promise that doesn't seem to fit with what's actually happening in our lives, it's actually okay. It's okay for us to question that, and it becomes this opportunity for us to say, okay, God, I need you to show up. I need you to show me what you really mean, because it doesn't feel true in my life right now. And so if that's you, it's okay to be there. And I would just challenge you to, to give that to God this week and ask him to show you what that abundance looks like. I even had a moment this week when I was driving and my son just had like a really horrible day at school and he came home and I'm just like, man, I'm like, God, he cannot catch a break, this kid. And I'm driving and I was like, I was like, God, what does your abundance mean for my 12-year-old boy? What does your abundance mean for my, for my kid who's been sick all week? What does your abundance look like even when I don't feel like it? And it's, so it's okay to have those questions. But I would challenge you, I would challenge you and challenge myself to embrace this idea that maybe there is an abundant life that goes beyond what we can see, that goes beyond even our circumstances, that maybe God didn't design us for scarcity and survival, but for something fuller and more beautiful. And that's what we want to discover with this message. We have a God who's a creator, a multiplier, and he's a God of expansion. And so I would challenge you this week, this is, my, this is my challenge to myself, I would challenge you to put this verse, first, or sorry, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Print this out, write it down. I mean, if you want to tattoo it, great. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. If you would put that somewhere and just let that verse sink in, let that verse speak to you, let that verse maybe shape you and challenge you a little bit this week, and as we do, ask God to show us what his abundance truly looks like and lead us to see the full life that he's promised for us. God, I know that people in here are coming from all different weeks, all different days, maybe even just today alone has been a super crazy challenge. And God, I'm just praying um, for your mercy, for your grace, for your hope, for your strength, for people who are feeling like they don't have enough right now. God, I'm also asking that you would remind us of who you are, that you're, God, you're a God whose love never runs out for us and grace never runs out for us. God, that you would remind us of the creator that you are and that you would give us this richer sense of you and help us to pray bolder prayers, to expect more and to believe more. And God, where your promises don't seem to line up with our lives right now, please meet us in that discrepancy and teach us more about yourself. We want to know more. We love you. Amen.